morning celebration center this is joe chumley uh, i'm here in my backyard and i hope that the birds aren't too loud there'll either be like a really cool background noise or extremely annoying so for those that can't pay attention i'm sorry but uh, i have three girls three daughters inside that would probably tear my iphone apart while i'm recording this so again i have to choose my battles and uh, I'm t filling in for actually for Nathan this week um, because he's going into, from my understanding, surgery. And so I definitely wanna pray uh, about that today. Um, and then also his last few series have been about the new normal. And to be honest with you, it's been rather challenging thinking that. We've been hearing a lot about that, the new normal. Um, maybe for a lot of us, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, are we gonna have to wear these masks for the, foreseeable future and are we going to have to continue to do the things that they're calling us to do right now for a for a prolonged period of time and that's not really exciting to me um, but that is second place to what the spiritual side of the new normal is and so as he's wrapping up his uh, new normal series I kind of came up with this thing that just dropped in my head I felt like the Holy Spirit was telling me um, how about where do we go from here you know, kind of like the what's next kind of idea. And uh, so that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna preach about what and where do we go from here? And I think that's a great question to ask because a lot of times circumstances in this world are not ideal. Uh, a lot of times they can be very painful and kind of like leave us feeling lonely. Even if you're in a room with 10,000 people, you can feel like you're the only person in the room. So um, something I would like to, kind of start off with is that to be honest with you folks it feels way more challenging talking to a camera than it does to a person in front of me and in a weird way you almost kind of get this lonely feeling because you want to look into somebody's eyes you want to have that kind of volley of conversation back and forth so forgive me if I'm not that well polished I'm gonna do the best that I can and this is my first go around with this so um, I appreciate your grace and your understanding with that. But uh, why don't we open up with prayer, okay? Lord Jesus, I pray for this time, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit would just be in this message. Lord God, that you would touch people's hearts and that we would have just a, an amazing experience, Lord God, with you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace and for all the wonderful blessings that we do have. And Lord, I pray that we would have an attitude of gratitude today as we can be thankful and give you praise, Lord, because you are good all the time. And Lord, I pray for Pastor Nathan during his surgery, Lord God, that he would be covered by your grace and that we would have a great, a great praise report and news uh, that uh, everything went exceedingly well. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name, amen. So let me start off with this. I was telling Nathan, I am so much more of a conversationalist than I am like this really polished, like, you know, bullet point, bullet point type of speaker. And I think I got that because, you know, a little over 2000 years ago, Jesus had it down pretty well. You know, he taught people, the masses, not in uh, these really drawn out type of um, ideas or just scripture after scripture necessarily, but it was storytelling and you know it made me think about a um, meeting that my wife and I went to a number of years ago it was actually I think at Bethany Baptist Church and uh, that's where she did her mops uh, mothers of preschoolers I think 
hopefully I got that right. Anyway, there is a family psychiatrist or psychologist, I'm sorry, I don't know which, but he brought up a great point. And he said that in any conversation, that within two weeks time, we will only retain 2% of that information. So even in this message, that in two weeks time, you're gonna have something where if I were to talk to you, you are only gonna be able to pull up a couple of small nuggets probably. And so what Jesus had figured out is that if he told it in a parable, if he told it in a story form, that we would have a better and easier way of connecting it from here down to our heart. And that's really important because as you well know, um, this walk with the Lord is not always easy. And a lot of people have the head knowledge, but it doesn't ever go from here down to here. So if you're only gonna retain 2% of what I'm gonna say, I hope it's gonna be this. Revelation 12:11. For they overcame him, that's the devil, they overcame the enemy by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. So we know Jesus died on the cross for all our sins, for the sins of this world, completely paid it in full. It's completely done. And then also we can speak the word of our testimony and not necessarily about, oh, well, I was saved at a summer camp or, you know, people think that testimony is, is uh, a re uh, re review of how they came to know Christ. But your testimony can be daily. It can be like, hey, you know what? God provided for me at my place of work or you know what, there's been reconciliation in my heart. I was able to forgive that person or that person forgave me um, or God's provision, you know, at, uh, you know, at my, uh, in my family that, you know, we needed, you know, a place to live or something like that. I mean, that's also testimony and that's prophetic. We can speak with our words um, into our lives that, you know, we can have a confident expectation of good things to come. And I heard that from a pastor um, and he said that the definition in the Bible of hope, the Hebrew definition is, I'll say it again, a confident expectation of good things to come. And I think that that's great. I think that we predominantly, you could probably agree with me that, gosh, this world, it's tough to have a confident expectation of good. But I want to have that spirit in me. I want to be able to share that with people. And I want people to, to just feel that radiating out of me and my family and my home um, because I think that uh, it's it's an attractive thing people um, look for so many things in this world that are probably more on the negative side but we know that God and Christ brings the good news and so I want to share some more good news with you today so let me ask you um, have you ever heard of the person or the name Horatio Spafford I'll give you a moment. If you have, that's great. If I'm able to edit this and put like his picture, I'm gonna do that like right about now. So let me set the stage. Horatio was a pronounced lawyer in Chicago. It was late 1870s and he and his wife wanted to take a vacation to Europe. And so just like, you know, today's time, I would probably tell my wife if I had some business to finish up, hey honey, you know what? Uh, how about you take the girls, load up the van, head out to Seaside or wherever you're going to go. Um, I guess I wouldn't know where she was going to go, but you know, go to Seaside, <laughs> take the kids with you. I've got a few things I got to finish up. Tell you what, I'll, I'll be just right behind you. Okay. I love you, dear. See you later. 
And so that was kind of like what happened with them. Uh, his wife and his four daughters, I want to say ages 11, 9, 7, and 4, or something like that, young girls, um, took this voyage across the Atlantic. And as the story goes, um, his wife and his daughters on the ship that they were traveling on uh, was tragically sunk. They crashed into another vessel and uh, basically Horatio's wife was the only one that survived. Um, somehow she miraculously made it um, to London and when she got there she sent a telegram back from London to Horatio in Chicago and it read as simple as this it was basically saved alone and in our day of technology you know we get text messages all the time and you probably would agree with me if you send a text message and you want a response or it's really important to you and you don't get a response back in, oh, I don't know, immediately, um, you're, you're frustrated. Imagine living in 1870, getting a telegram that you lost all four of your daughters. And I can tell you right now that having three of my own, I couldn't imagine that pain. I think that would be absolutely devastating. And so, he basically gets a hold of his wife and he says, I'm on the next ship over. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get there to you. We're gonna, we're gonna figure things out. Uh, of course, I'm paraphrasing, but I could imagine that any sort of correspondence was very heartfelt and just sad. What would Horatio feel like at that point in time? You know, um, that brings up something that comes to mind right now, a scripture, John 16, 33, where Jesus says, I say these things to you, or these things I have spoken to you, so that in me you may have peace. In this life you will have trouble, in this world you're going to have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. God didn't promise things were going to be easy. And those instances where people lose their families tragically is just, it's horrible. So Horatio gets on the ship, and he's going across the Atlantic to get to his wife, to get to his bride, to somehow figure this thing out. And the story goes that as they traverse over the top of the water where his daughters perished, the captain calls him up from his quarters. And he wants Horatio to know that at this very point, we're traveling over the area that your daughters perished. And it said that Horatio, when he's standing there looking at the open ocean, he says, you know what? When I think about my girls, I don't think about them down there. I think about them up there with him, that they're angels. And you know, I couldn't imagine what that pain was like. And the astounding thing is that even during that turmoil, even during that painful time, he went back to his cabin and he wrote probably one of the most famous hymns that we've ever known. It is well with my soul. And isn't that crazy? How would you possibly get to a spot that you could even think about writing or singing or writing music? I don't even know how to do that, but to think it is well with my soul. There is nothing well with my soul. I just lost not one, two, but three, but four daughters my whole life is just gone in an instance. How is that possible? And folks, I want you to know that naturally speaking, it isn't possible. 
we don't do that on our own. We do that because of the power and grace and love of God. And that's an important, powerful thing. So I'll say again, we overcome him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. That is a huge thing. And we can trust in him anytime that we have issues, any circumstance we go through, we can trust him. Now let me share a little bit of a <clears throat> testimony with you of something that's that I was able to be a part of. Um, and this was just a few years ago. It was at the Good Sam Hospital. And I had an acquaintance from years ago. I actually built him a garage years ago in Milton. And his name was Zach Beckwith. And Zach uh, was, even back then, he, he was still a young man, you know, in his late 20s. Uh, but he had really bad health. Uh, diabetic for years and years. And, I mean, really bad health. Um, he was slowly losing his sight and, you know, his mom constantly reminded him, like, you got to watch what you eat. You know, you can't, you can't drink those sodas. You can't do this that, and the other. And I think that he just didn't really give any, any weight or to that advice or that caution. So fast forward, this is a few years ago and his mom reaches out to me like out of nowhere. Um, and she calls me up and she says, Joe, Zach's in the hospital. And I said, wow, what, is everything okay? And she says, not, not really. No, he, uh, he's been in there for a few days now and he's just suffering immense pain. Um, and it, he's just not doing well. Can you just go talk with him, please? And I said, yeah, sure. And so I actually called one of my employees and I said, you know what? If you want to see the power of God, why don't you come along? Let's just let's just see what happens. And so Cody goes along with me. We go to this uh, hospital room in Good Sam, and I I walk in and I see Zach laying there. And folks, I I didn't know how ugly diabetes could really get. Um, this was bad. You know, this was um, a guy lying there. His his toes had been amputated. Uh, he had open sores on his body. His hands were all wrapped together. I think he was kind of having some issues with the tips of his fingers. Um, he didn't look good. It was it was it was really really impactful to see the the ravage that it had caused him. And so we were sitting there and, and we we're talking and you know it just kind of came up where how, how do you start to talk about Jesus? You know in that moment um, that that's hard to say. The guy's in pain. He's lying in a hospital bed. What kind of relief can we possibly bring him? Um, but you know what? You have to make the choice to just trust in him, trust God, trust Christ and his power. And so through conversation, I just said, Zach, are you ready to accept Jesus in your heart? And you know, he looked at me and actually he, he had no sight anymore. He just kind of turned his head to, to you know focus in where I was standing next to his bed. And he said, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready, Joe. And uh, I just, I remember, um, I remember Zach just starting to cry, you know, and he was, he was 35 and, and you know, I, I'm 35 now. And that's, that's really young to be in that, uh, that situation. But I prayed for him, 
and he just cried. And, uh, you know, I, I prayed for miraculous healing. I prayed that, uh, that just, you know, pain be gone in Jesus' name, that his, that his body would come in alignment with the Word of God. And, um, and honestly, it was, it was a beautiful moment. I was so thankful to have that time with him. And um, he, just, he just had a smile. He just had a glow to him. It was as if almost you walk into a room that's dimly lit and then you just kick on like these blasting halogens. He had, a, he had almost this, this glow to him where he just, he said he could feel the presence of God come into his heart. I believe that Zach had a, where, where do I go now? Where, where am I going? What am I going to have after this life? Because right now, I don't know where I'm headed. And so, um, we finished the conversation with him and we head out. And the next, the next morning I get a call from his mom and she says, what did you do to Zach? And I was like, oh gosh, this is not good. And she says, he has not slept that good that long in years. The doctors are saying he's sleeping like a baby. They said that his pain has gone down, that he's just feeling better and he's, he's happy, Joe. Joe, what did, you what did you say to him? And I told her what I, I said to him. And his mom started crying because that was a prayer that she had for her son because she knew that he wasn't a believer for his whole life up until that point. Um, and I wish that I could tell you that Zach had a miraculous just change and that, you know, his, his, his feet regenerated, that his hands regenerated, that it, the sores went away and that he's, you know, that things got better. Um, but two days later, Zach went to the Lord and I'm just, again, so thankful that, that in this world, <laughs> Here we go again, John 16, 33, that in this world, we're going to have problems. We're going to have trouble that we can take heart because Jesus has overcome the world. And so Zach's with him now, and I'm so thankful for that. So as I make a segue here into this final part of this, where do we go from now sermon? I want to read to you Psalms 91, 1 through 2. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. That's just good right there. That's verse number one. I will take that to the bank every day of the week and on Sunday. Um, and then it says, I will say of the Lord, okay? He is my refuge. He's my fortress, my God in whom I trust. That's amazing that we can seek shelter in him. We'll find rest and then we can praise him and say that you, you are my fortress. You are my refuge. You are my God in whom I trust. And, and uh, let me share a very, very personal testimony. Um, goes back to when I was seven years old and I grew up in Eastern Washington. Maybe some of you know where the little town of Zilla is. Probably very few of you know where a little town Buana is, but I lived up on Highland, uh, Highland Road 
in in the midst of literally it didn't matter if I looked out the front the side or the back of the house we were surrounded by cherries and and pears and apple orchards everywhere and it was uh, November and it was kind of a drizzly rain outside and that was the night that my parents had their their last big fight and my mom you know told me to run across the road to this little tiny white house and um, basically call for help and just two weeks ago my father my my father-in-law and I took a trip over to go fishing and I said hey do you want to go see you know a couple of my childhood homes and he said sure son you know so we get off I-82 we head up to this house and you know and that was the first time I'd ever shown anybody being the passenger in a vehicle and there was nobody behind us I mean there's really nobody out in those country roads and parked in front of our little red house um, and, and the road is Bellaterra and we're looking at this little red house and I you know I was like yeah you know I climbed up that tree and you know, we used to play these games over here and you know over there we used to do whatever um, and for the first time since that that uh, that it's been 28 years um, I looked over and I saw the White House across the road. And you know, I said, yeah, you know, and I, my mom and my dad, this, that, and the other. And then as I looked over and I started describing the events, you know, my voice started cracking and, you know, I just started tearing up and I just said, you know, and, and, and that, that house right there was the house I ran over and, you know, I had the people call the police to help out. And I remember the sheriff showing up and, uh, my dad packing his bags and stuff and putting it in the back of his old pickup truck and he gets down right in front of me and he says, you know, I love you, son. You know, everything's going to be okay. Um, folks, to a seven-year-old, not everything's going to be okay with that. And I, I held on to a lot of unforgiveness to my parents for probably until my early 20s, about 16 years I held on to that. And uh, God works, you know, Romans 8.28 says he works all things for the good. And so fast forward, you know, my, my oldest daughter, Grace, she had her seven year old or seventh birthday party last week. And I'm standing there on my back patio and I'm watching my little daughter, who's not so little anymore, running around and playing with her sisters. And um, we had a family barbecue. And my wife says, is everything okay? And I realized it wasn't. Um, that kind of some of those those milestones are coming up where I think about my daughter being the same age as what I was when I went through that time with my parents and you know I said no I'm sad honey and uh, so we went inside and I shed a few tears um, and then a couple days later Grace's birthday was here and my dad came and visited and we had a great time and basically we get down to the, the end of the evening and it's just my dad and I sitting by the campfire and we had those kind of father-son conversations. And, you know, I shared with my dad that, you know, I, I really, uh, that this week was a hard week, you know, and um, he, he apologized. You know, he said, son, if I were to go back now and I, I just recognize the damage and the pain I caused you, caused your mom, caused, you know, caused himself. Um, he said, you know, that's, that's been a, a burden on him. Um, and I was able to tell dad again, I said, dad, I forgive you. I forgive mom. I forgive the situation. I believe in Jesus and, you know, his redeeming power. And, uh, you know, I'll take it back at seven years old. I had a moment 
There was a new normal moment that was forced upon me that I had no choice over, nothing. And if you've been a child through divorce um, or a parent through divorce, I want you to know your children spend a lot of time thinking, could I have been better? Could I have been a better listener? Is there something better I could have done that would have kept mom and dad together? Um, it's a new normal that, that it's so hard to reconcile with. And I had a moment where it was, where do I go from now? Where do I go from here? What am I gonna do? What's the future gonna look like? Um, so John 16, 33, I'll keep pounding the drum here. For you're gonna have trouble in this world, but take heart. And it took me 16 years, but Jesus finally got a hold of me with that. And it was time to forgive. And you know, if you have wounds in the past, or if you have circumstances in your current situation, to be honest, folks, we're kind of all in a situation with this, where do we go from here? What are we gonna do? How is this gonna work? I don't know, but I am confident. I have a confident expectation for good things to come, that we can trust in God with any circumstance that comes our way. And in Psalm 91, if you continue down just a couple more verses, he says you don't have to worry about the arrow that flies by day, the pestilence, right? Any sicknesses, a thousand may fall at your right hand, 10,000 at your left, or however that goes, I'm paraphrasing. But we can trust in him and we can have a confident expectation of good things to come. So I'm, I'm just wanting to share that with you today, that you can have a confident expectation that God is your fortress, he is your shelter, you are gonna find rest in his shadow and that you're gonna say that he is your almighty God and that we can put full trust in him. So I wanna say God bless you. I wanna say thank you so much for taking some time and just listening to some stories. And I, I do, I hope that you remember Horatio Spafford, that it is well with my soul. I hope that you remember Zach Beckwith and that on his deathbed that he gave his life to Jesus and that it's never too late to find the answer to where do we go from here. And then lastly, from my own personal experience, going through divorce from a child's perspective, that forgiveness is real, that reconciliation is real, that redemption is real, and that we can all have a confident expectation of good things to come. So let's close in prayer and God bless you. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this time together. Lord, I pray that the birds were not too loud in this, in this video. The cars in the background weren't too loud, but Lord, that through all the noise, if you will, of today, of the news, of fear, Lord God, that you could just remind us to fear not, that we can have confident expectation that you're gonna work it out for our good and that we can find comfort and rest in your shadow. And Lord God, we thank you so much. We praise you, Lord, for you are good all the time. In Jesus' name we pray.